ladies and gentlemen, good evening. And let me tell you a story unlike one you've ever heard before. With great podcasters comes great podcastability. Today on This Podcast is for Nerds, we talk about the best origin stories, or rather, our favorite origin stories of superheroes. Now, you'll be surprised. You're not going to hear about the same exact origin stories you're all aware of. No being bitten on the hand by a spider, no watching your parents get gunned down in an alleyway and choosing to pick a form of an animal that would scare your opponents, which in reality, because there's no ecology in Gotham at all, a bat would be scary because any animal would be scary in the streets of Gotham because (laughs) trees. So I don't know how animals would exist there. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Based on your intro, I wish I had picked Spider-Man. I was kind of thinking of doing that. (laughs) I think there's been so many movies about these heroes though, that no one wants to hear another. Like that's one thing I've always kept away from a spider. wanting to watch another Spider-Man movie is I do not. We know uncle Ben dies. We know with great power comes great responsibility. And it'd be different if these movies were spread out every 10 years. But I swear, for a little while, there's like a new reboot of every two to three years where we had the same death scene with different actors. And then I just didn't understand why this kept happening. Yeah, so Sony owns the copyright to Spider-Man, not Marvel. And uh, so they kept making the movie so that they could retain their copyright of it, Um, which is hilarious. Um, But yeah, he's one where I'm like, if I never see another Spider-Man origin story again, it'll be too soon. Um, and luckily the new Spider-Man didn't do that really. Um, and I feel the same way about Batman actually. I agree. Yeah. It's been, it's been done so many times. Yeah. I, I realistically, it's been done so many times. There's so many movies. There's so many games. We get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to this podcast is for nerds. Everyone. Did we do that? Did you say that? I am pretty sure it was somewhere in the intro, but I didn't say it specifically. So, okay. Oh, just uh, just double checking. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, what do you look for in a good uh, in a good origin story, Zach? I look for some depth. Like if you have an origin story that is just, you know, I I mean. I get it. Hardship and trauma are come out of different pathways. It happens in people's lives. I can't knock on that, but we're not talking about real life right now. We're talking about the comic book world. So I, sh- I hate any story that's like, oh, someone fell in radioactive waste and now they have the power to fucking shoot rockets out of their ass. I don't know. Like it's <laughs> just, oh, so it's supposed to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I actually didn't even think about that. Yeah, I just thought of like, I think that was how the original Red, uh, not Red Hornet, Red Flash, or the Flash was like that. Um, the Joker technically fell into a vat of chemicals. Uh, oh yeah, that's what makes his like skin so white, right? Yeah, it's, like, bleached. He has a couple of different like weird ones where like it decides on whether or not it's was the actual origin story. Plus, because people keep thinking he lies because he's never really told one, so the writers kind of play with that. The most common one, I believe, is he fell into a vat after he was the criminal known as <clears throat> the Red Hood, and Batman knocked him to a vet and turned him into the crazed madman he is now. But um, we're not here to talk about the Joker. But I, I think just, I look for some depth, you know? I feel like something different. I mean, we always hear about accidents, stuff exploding, chemicals, and you get these superpowers. You know, I just want something a little just original. I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. 
How about you? Um, I want someone I can relate to. Um, kind of the reason I was considering Spider-Man. Um, to me, he's one of the most relatable um, Marvel superheroes, I think. Um he's just like an average kid and we've all we've all struggled with you know girlfriend issues high school juggling a bunch of different things so um yeah i look for something i can kind of understand even in an anti-hero um which we'll definitely cover today um i just want to be able to kind of understand um one their motivations and two what kind of keeps them going through all this like we're not we're not just talking about superheroes today um actually none of mine are actual superheroes they're just like the heroes of the story like they don't have like superpower superpowered abilities um but yeah i just want someone i can kind of understand i in as the same goes for villains i will say one of my favorite um villains that we've ever had in in a in a superhero movie um is killmonger from black panther um mostly just because i totally understand where he's coming from and i don't think he's 100 percent wrong in in his his desires probably the way he goes about it is (laughs) is not right but i kind of get where he's coming from that's how i feel about thanos oh yeah thanos did nothing wrong are you part of that subreddit no <laughs> i didn't know there was a subreddit no <laughs> yeah it's a great one that's basically just you know he's not a bad guy <laughs> i mean there's always that one phrase that i've heard i think it was in the movie the kingdom you know what no no no, it wasn't the kingdom actually it was uh james bond died another day where one of james's um uh, whatever you call people that are not really your friends, acquaintances. He says something that I've always thought about over years. You know, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And I was like, man, that sucks. <laughs> <That's-> yeah. <laughs> so accurate, though. I think there's no one on my list who's actually a straight up, they're the hero ish of the story, but they're definitely like. You know, definitely more the anti-hero side. <laughs> yeah, I have one that's pretty much straight up hero, but the other one is absolutely not. Um, so let's get into it. Um, the first one you're bringing to the table is Red Hood. Uh-huh. Epic foreshadowing mentioning the Joker. Um, yeah. By every, there's been a couple different Red Hoods. I'm speaking of the Jason Todd Red Hood. For those of you who are unaware of Jason, who Jason Todd is, he was one of the Robins for quite some time. And because of this, he has two different backstories. And the reason he has two different backstories is because he started off as a Robin, but because he wasn't the boy wonder type of Robin, or he wasn't like the, oh, g'day chap, 1960s, oh, jolly gee willikers, Batman, what are we gonna do? Kind of Robin, he was more of the, I'm gonna beat the living shit out of you type of Robin. (laughs) Fans didn't care for that. So, yeah, apparently he was not well received. He was not. So, circling back to episode three, talking about fan interactions and how they can shape a story, they decided to kill him the hell off. And that's what they did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was in the storyline Death of a F- Death in the Family, um, where basically um, I 
don't know if how he died was influenced by the fans, but it definitely seems like it was. Joker basically kidnaps Jason Todd and beats the hell out of him with a crowbar. Um, it's actually the premise for the movie Red Hood that was put out in 20... I want to say 2015 or 16 is when the movie came out. I actually did not check. So I'll look it up right now while you're talking. Yeah, if I was listening, I definitely just chose not to look it up ahead of time. So, <laughs> um, But it's a great movie. It's a great animated movie. Um, we've talked about it a couple of different times, I believe, in the podcast. Yeah, 2010. Oh, wow. I'm way off. That's, I, that's funny because I remember watching it during a cruise, and that makes sense because it was 20, 2011, I think, when I watched it. Okay. Um, but yeah, they beat the hell out of him with a crowbar, a crowbar and he's left for dead before the uh, building blows up and kills him. And through the magic of, you know, someone deciding to take Batman at another angle and make things more edgy and new writers getting hands on properties, uh, they decided to resurrect him via the Lazarus Pits from Raish Al Ghul. Oh, nice. That's where uh, Batman in Dark Knight Rises has his like back broken and he tries to get out right uh isn't that Razogul? or he was the one that trains him trains him okay yeah, yeah he trains him that's when so yeah Rache was like one of his like mentors i guess um but then they like differentiated they split off because of the um darn it Raish was, whoa, he's the leader of the Assassin's Guild, and Batman's like, I won't kill people. And Raish's like, ha, that's cute. Whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> she was like an on again, off again, like villain slash uh, companion to Batman. Also, like father in law slash baby daddy in law, I guess. I'm not really sure how that kind of shakes out, depending on your universal timeline and which storyline you're following, whether or not, J- uh, not Jason Todd, Tim, not Tim Drake either. Darn it, what's his name? Damian Wayne exists. So, anyway, sorry, getting distracted. No, you're good. Keep this going. I'm gonna. I just found a, a fan film of the Red Hood, so we'll we'll pull that up. Nice. I like the Red Hood because he walks that very thin line of he believes in what Batman has decided to do as far as like cleaning up Gotham, but he decides that he doesn't want to play this cat and mouse game where innocence get in the way, and so he's definitely a vigilante but he also has like compassion at the same time too he just doesn't have it for criminals and for those who have played the more recent uh gods among us games red hood doesn't i think actually red hood does appear at some point but he's like a dlc character but his mindset was more displayed in the alternate future with dickhead superman um and damian wayne basically kind of filling in for how um how Jason Todd or Red Hood is. So I feel Red Hood kind of falls by the wayside now just because you have that version of Damian Wayne because Damian Wayne is basically Batman's kid, but he was raised by the assassins and Talia al Ghul is his mom. So you have that aspect of, you know, his mindset is very much, wow. <laughs> Crazy. For those of you yeah. on YouTube, I did not know this existed. It already looks better than Batman Forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, this came out in 2015. It's called Red Hood the Fallen. Wow. Um, sorry to get distracted for those of you who are listening on Spotify. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed, you know, I, I like fourth wall breaks, and this is one where the fans decided to get involved and hate this guy, kill him off, and then bring him back and 
I just like the character and how he stands for things. Like, if you haven't watched the animated Red Hood movie, I suggest everyone go do that. It's a great ride. Yeah, I will say as somebody that's not big on um, superhero animated stuff, like I, pr- I prefer to watch a live action. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought Under the Red Hood was great. Um, so this is kind of an instance in... Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you think it was a good idea that they listened to the fans and killed killed them off and, and kind of rebirthed them as Red Hood? I would say that the fans were being a bunch of crybabies when they killed him off. Um, but I'm glad someone revitalized him. I don't think it was this. I think it was some time between when he died in Death of a Family and when his story was kind of revitalized. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I don't like very much the old like my interest in the Batman's movies or the Batman shows was really around like the animated series and it was very goth noir gothic noir and things like that like in the early 90s so for the fans who were like crying that like boy wonder wasn't wondrous enough like I don't I don't know I think they just need to suck it up a little bit like (laughs) so he's a little rough around the edges like okay you live your life in poverty and explain how you're supposed to be like in a great mood all the time and you're wearing tights running around a city of like criminals people are trying to kill you like yeah i i prefer that in a in a superhero i don't want them to be perfect like it's always been my issue with superman as i feel like he's so pure that i it's just like and i get it he's an alien um but like for me i want to be able to relate to him on some level (laughs) and being so positive is kind of a turn off for me I agree. And I think, like, that's uh, Superman. I mean, we talked about Superman, you know, a little while ago, like two podcast episodes ago. He just, he's, his origin story starts off pretty strong. I think Golden Age Superman is probably the best version of that character. Unfortunately, Golden Age Superman learned how to sleep, take a nap in the sun, and basically become a god. And so no one could stop him. So the only depth you ever get out of Superman stories now is when Superman decides to get pissed and be a dick and that's not him being a hero it's him definitely being a villain (laughs) yeah and it's interesting it seems like we're only getting that in uh i'm trying to think of the right wording here we don't really see that in i think what the general audience sees superman as like i think most people that know superman really only know him from the movies that were are being released by DC and like the, the moments where Superman is kind of like radicalized and stuff is like in the video games and the comics. So I guess it's more of like, they, maybe they realize that general audience wants Superman to be like this pure character. And they feel like they can, I guess, take risks with comics and video games. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was an actual movie of Batman versus Superman. I forgot what it was actually called, but it was, again, another animated movie where in that movie they actually fought, and it was a great movie. Like, I, this, the one Batman v Superman, I didn't watch it, but I heard it was crazy disappointing. And the best thing that came out of it was the Jimmy Kimmel skit when they had everybody in it. And even Will Arnett showed up as animated Batman or a Lego Batman, which was hilarious. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't crazy about the Batman v Superman movie. Um, I think the best part we got out of it was Wonder Woman. Um, but I'm a big Wonder Woman fan. Um, oh, which? Okay, question. Yeah. What version of her storyline do you like the most? 
Because oh, I I don't. I guess I sh- I should say I'm not. I don't I don't really read comics, so I don't I don't know her storyline. I I meant um, I enjoy what DC is doing with her right now. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't. I honestly don't know much about her outside of what the DC movies have shown me because. To my knowledge, this is like the first time we've gotten proper Wonder Woman movies other than like the TV show way back in the day, right? To my knowledge, yes. Okay. So if I can tell you from what I've seen, I do like the version of her story that they're using. Okay, the being on the the island or whatever? Well, I mean, because she is a lot, you know, she doesn't age as quickly at all. And so there was a, there was a, then they played with it, but there's times where she'll be like, or I said, okay, sorry. My favorite version is when is during uh, the Justice League animated series where her and Batman are a thing. That's my favorite because she doesn't like bow to Superman when he's being an a-hole and he doesn't, she doesn't like deal with Batman's grumpiness by just like being like swooning over him. She's just like in your face and like serious and tough. I think that's awesome. I don't like whenever she, whenever Superman gets radicalized, she automatically just like, just softens up and becomes like his arm candy. Mm. Like that sucks. And my other favorite version of her is when they actually show her going through time and she actually ends up helping out during World War II and like staying with the guy she meets in that. I think they kind of touched on that in the movie actually. Yeah, that's that's the premise of the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited for the new one, uh, 1984. It looks cool. Um, yeah, I never expected Kristen Wiig to be an interesting uh, villain, but um, <laughs> it looks like she is. She's playing um, Cheetah, which is definitely some depth because you, Cheetah wasn't. I mean, there's not much you can really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. It doesn't seem like they're going full on comic book with it, like. The trailer I've seen, she's just like dressed in like regular garb. Um, I didn't see any like crazy skin tight suit, but maybe they're saving that for when the movie actually comes out. Could be, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on the Red Hood. I've got a little distracted with everything, but yeah, well, we're known for that. We are, and yeah, and the Red Hood doesn't take anybody's shit. It's fantastic. Yeah, I respect it. I, I respect it. Um, okay, so once my computer wants oh, to load, you hear that? Haha. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, I uh, my first uh, origin story I want to talk about is um, from an anime known as uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, so for those that haven't seen it. Um, it was a manga that actually had two anime adaptations um, and kind of ran into the issue we're seeing with Attack on Titan where the anime was starting to uh, catch up to the manga. And, um, you know, Attack on Titan had, what, like a five-year break between season one and two, I think? I think so, uh- yeah, so the first edition of Full Metal Alchemist um, had 
that issue and um, they didn't really follow the way the manga goes. Um, so I think if you ask anyone like which version to watch, they recommend Brotherhood because it came out later um, and it follows the manga much more closely. Um, did you watch did you watch this anime, Zach? I feel like I feel like we've talked about it, but I don't I don't know for sure. I watched Brotherhood um, because I was one of the people who got caught up in the first one and was very confused and didn't care for it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That's around the time when I really started like reading. I started off reading manga before I started watching anime, really. And so for me, I was confused when, because this is around the time we had Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, we had Helsing Ultimate, and I believe Bleach was going through this kind of bleach and Naruto were both suffering this kind of hell also where you know studios were in a rush to get the anime out but there is no content so you just filler like nonsense all the way yeah dragon ball z i'm looking at you oh yeah <laughs> dragon ball z one piece and the curry of life if you don't know what that is google it, it is the worst filler Ooh. ever exists that's a. Uh... It's harsh words compared to uh, One Piece. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, no one can beat Bleach. I'm sorry, like, because <laughs> Bleach didn't even have a good resolution. Yeah, you know, it's one I never actually finished. I started and did not finish it. We'll tell you, you're better off just finishing the manga. Don't even watch it. Oh, okay. Asian, right. what happens in the manga and the anime? The anime stops like way sooner than the manga does so you really don't even get a finish to the anime oh geez honestly like there's no point in listening to Ichigo cry for so long <laughs> and then like that same song they play when he's like the piano and figuring out his friendship the power of friendship needs to stop being an aspect of why characters have power <laughs> yeah I agree um, and this this show does a pretty good job of that <laughs> um, so yeah Full Metal Alchemist um, this was kind of like for me it was like my second my second wave anime interest like I, I was definitely into it in middle school kind of fell off in early high school um, and kind of came back to it um, when this when this series came out one of my one of my close friends recommended it to me and it's one of his favorite um animes of all time and i think he got a tattoo of one of the um the alchemist symbols um and i i had asked him what it was from and he told me it was this anime so i watched it and so this this is a this is a big one for me i'm a a big fan of this series um so it basically follows um edric and alphonse or, sorry, Edward and Alphonse Elric. I don't know Good how voice. I got that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so their mom uh, dies and they're like practicing alchemy. And it's like a, I don't know, what do they call it? It's like a grave sin or whatever to try and use alchemy to bring back somebody. So they try and bring back their mom. And in the process, um, Edward uh loses his arm and alphonse loses his entire body arm and um and so what's that man leg oh i yeah so i thought he lost his arm getting um his brother the suit of armor oh you're right you're right sorry you're right yeah i think he lost one limb and then the other one to get to bring back alphonse from death you're right. I've got those. They happen so quickly when they replay it. I just think of it as all one thing. 
Yeah, totally. Um, and so then the rest of the the series is basically them um, trying to find the Philosopher's Stone um, so that they can get their bodies back. Um, I don't know. I just I really like this anime. Um, I think it's pretty wholesome. Um, can be incredibly depressing. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything, really. Um, but there's some the some scenes with uh, with this little girl's dad. Um, I remember that was the first anime that. Oh yeah. Episode. That prick. Yeah, that was the first anime episode that made me cry. Um, but yeah, I just like these stories because um, I. Th- I think Edward and Alphonse play really well off each other because they're both pretty different personality wise. And I think some of that is to do with the age um, difference between the two of them. Um, But it it was, it was super cool seeing. um, I I mean, alchemy is not magic, but to me, like when I was watching it, it was always, Oh, this is a cool, like magic show. Like, like I was like, this is a way cooler. Um, I guess adult version of Harry Potter kind of Um, that's probably blasphemy, but I don't really have much positivity to say about Harry Potter. So I don't really consider. (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's, it's, uh, it is a polarizing uh, series. I think, especially now with uh, (laughs) JK Rowling being a total jackass, but I, you know what it was? I never, like I got into it, but I never got into like, you know, I thought it was cool, but I think like of all of, and you know what it is? Okay. This is going to be polarizing as hell. (laughs) Hot take alert. I know. Seriously. This is going to be what's polarizing about it. The Harry Potter fan base is what turned me off to Harry Potter because they are so loyal to their particular lore of how magic works that they were not, I just, you know, couldn't really get into that kind of like dedication. I was like, you know, I would, you know, they feel like they act like sometimes that they're the only, the first ones to invent spellcraft in a book. Like (laughs) the hell are you talking about? Like there's many ways to cast all sorts of things. So thank you for, you know, I'm not mad about it, but it's one of those things where I think that I just learned more about like, what kind of lore I liked versus didn't. I just, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even more so, I think a lot of people, well, I guess, and maybe it's a generation of Harry Potter fans, um, that were growing up with it as the books came out. I, I think I fell into this, didn't know about, um, uh, the books, books of magic. I think it was called the, I think it's a game and book, but it's basically Harry Potter before Harry Potter was a thing. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, actually, it was. I think it was a comic, um, but it was. I mean, it was. It was essentially Harry Potter, um, and I, I think it's been discussed before that she kind of stole the. I mean, you can look at the covers of the books. Let me see if I don't know. Can you see? You can't see this right now. Can you, you just see the show? No, I can see. Oh wow, that's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow yeah it's pretty crazy it's basically a, it, it's what looks like harry potter it's a young boy with black hair and glasses harry potter basically with an owl behind him yeah flying and on the- oh. <laughs> yeah flying on a skateboard so so are you saying that jk Rowling is your anti-hero 
Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm switching from. <laughs> yeah, that's next. We're going to talk about J.K. Rowling um, and how she's a turf. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. I, don't, I mean, if you haven't watched this series, um, and you're hesitant about watching anime. It's it's one that I always recommend. There's like a few that I recommend, and Zach might disagree with. The, uh, I, I recommend Death Note. Um, oh, I mean, uh, so that wasn't a bad anime as a whole. Just to, I think the second half sucks. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> once a certain thing happens, it kind of like eliminates the whole cat and mouse of it all. And it's just like, oh. Yeah, without getting into spoilers, that definitely happens. Not give us forward, but that's a pretty big like aspect of why I just didn't really care to. Yeah, no, I I totally get that, but yeah, so this is like this and Death Note and like Attack on Titan are like I think they're pretty accessible for like people that don't normally watch anime because like there's a good amount of action, there's a little bit of mystery, um, so yeah, and yeah. Tokyo Ghoul as well. Without, well, for those who are more into like I wouldn't say horror necessarily, but. Tokyo Ghoul is pretty up there, but it gets better. So, okay. The first season's great. The second season gets a little weird because, again, it runs into the issue with, like, adaptation. They fix it, and then season three is great. So, Oh, I didn't realize they ran up along the alongside the manga. I've only I've only watched the first first few seasons of, of Tokyo Ghoul. Yeah, they, they ran out of, like, because the manga deviated, and they were... Like, oh, crap, okay. And then it changed some stuff. People weren't happy about it. They fixed it, and then season three kind of cinches it off pretty well. Oh, nice. This turned into anime talk. It did. I apologize. <laughs> no, no. That's, no, that's, that's, I like that. Cause I, you know, and there's, there's other cool stories in there, in there too. Like, I, I do think the Death Note origin story is kind of interesting. He's definitely, um, I think he's more of a villain than an anti hero. I honestly thought, like, I wasn't really, after, oh, I don't know how to say this one. Okay. Uh, the hmm. It really comes down to, like, I don't know how much you know about, like, mythology or how much you got into, like, old, like, Roman Greek mythology. Uh, not much. Is there is there a lot that they're pulling from in Death Note? Not necessarily that they're pulling from, but just the concept of having, like, different gods supporting different, like, champions. Mm-hmm. Like seeing who wins, and it, that really kind of reminded me of that in um, Death Note. Um, without giving too much away, as more things happen and more characters get introduced. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a um, that's a good point. Who is your so? I, you you mentioned this Brotherhood as a whole. Um, does this mean that you favor the Elric brothers as your origin story, or is there someone in particular from the show who you liked as well? Um, no, I like I like the. Um... I like the Elric brothers. They're they're kind of my go-to because I like um, another thing. I guess I didn't mention. Um, I do, and this happens I think a lot in media, but I really do fall for it. Is I really like an underdog story, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of that in this show. Them kind of like, you know, trying to undo um, the mistakes they've made. Um, having to kind of come to terms with the possibility that um you can't fix everything right um so yeah i think i definitely pick them although there there are great characters um i think we get the most um well fleshed out with the elric brothers 
I forgot how brutal this show is. Like, I yeah, it's pretty crazy. Roy Mustang is fucking awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's definitely my favorite B character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the oh man, the creatures in the show are so cool too. That that was one thing that was pretty cool because I've always liked you know one thing I think that brought me into this show that I thought was cool is I actually liked. I, I like science and alchemy is like the halfway between magic and science. And I thought it was really cool to like see someone's actual take on it because alchemy as a whole, isn't something that was really talked about in much of anything before. Well, let me take it back much of anything that I was aware of like in this fashion where alchemy is like the main center stage of it. Like you had different characters across like different comics and games and books where like they were an alchemist or they did things with alchemy, but it really was more chemistry and like stone magicianry than it was like actual alchemy. Yeah, and it definitely wasn't the focus. Yeah, I thought this was awesome because of that, too. Like, it really brings in, like, the old world, like, science and how, like, they people thought and, like, bring it to a modern-ish time. I wouldn't say modern because I don't think they really got past, like, technologically. Like, this was still, like, what, Stone Cold? Or it's not Stone Cold. Um, like, there weren't TVs, I don't think, in this. Series. No, no. There's They have, like, Steam Engine, I think, I recall in this but like they don't have like modern technology or anything like that oh i get they have cars and stuff so 19 well you know what they mention a certain character whose name that we don't actually say in good like right now unless you're a part of a certain political group but uh the fuhrer is here so oh yeah that's like the 40s (laughs) yeah i forgot about yeah i totally forgot about that yeah so that's that's about all i got on um on full metal alchemist brotherhood i fully recommend that um i think it's probably it's probably in my top 10 anime of all time so yeah um we're gonna move on to zach's uh next pick which is also in my top 10 anime of all time all right everybody it's time to get together that's right three two one let's let's jam (laughs) (laughs) my second hero origin story and apparently is also not an actual hero, but an anti-hero. It's Mr. Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. And this show came out in 1998, and realistically, this is what kicked it off for me. Like, I watch stuff like Pokemon and stuff like that, but I think what really got me really appreciating anime is things like this. Yeah, I think this was, like, the anime that made adults realize, oh, it's not just for children. Yeah, <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. Because <laughs> it's it's more grounded. I mean, it's a sci-fi series, but it's not crazy like Dragon Ball Z where people are flying around and stuff, you know? Right. I think it was best. I think someone put it as a, it's a spaghetti Western anime. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's that's awesome. Um, what I think is cool about Spike as far as his origin story is not just his origin story, but also his like... The way it's presented for most of these characters, we don't really dive too deeply into like where they came from or all the information about them. You just kind of see them as a, as a snippet in a part of their lives. Like we know a bit that Spike was a part of a crime syndicate at one point and he left because of a woman named Julia and then he ended up as a bounty hunter on the Bebop. But before that, we never hear about how he lost his eye. We never hear about what got him into the syndicate, what he's done beforehand, how he learned how to fight. Like these things are just not really brought up or really a point to who he is. And he borrows influences from a lot of different great people. Like he 
um, references um, Bruce Lee quite a bit in his fighting style and how his methodology is towards life, as well as Daisuke Jigen, who is one of my other favorite characters from a little show called Luthon the Third. Gets that fun. Yeah, that's one you've recommended to me. I still need to watch that. That's right. We do need to watch that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just think like it's cool because like you you mentioned being uh, relatable earlier. This isn't like some, I mean, yeah, there's some incredible things that happen because it's an anime, but this is still just a piece of a segment of these characters' lives. You don't really see where they really start. You don't really see where they really end. I mean, there's a lot of like speculation that's like, you know, they say, oh, he died at the end because the way they did everything. But realistically, like, I don't actually think he did. And the creator won't say, won't confirm or deny either way. I think that's yeah oh i totally yeah i i vastly prefer that just don't talk about it like that this is always discussed when um i don't know if you ever watched sopranos um without spoiling anything surrounding it the ending is very ambiguous yes. and uh it's it's never i mean i've, I've heard some occasional interviews where they kind of talk about oh here's what might have happened but they've never like i've never heard it 100 percent confirmed so you know if if they want it to be left ambiguous there's a reason for that um and i respect the um creator's decision and i i totally i totally agree with you that i don't think he died um just given hmm, I don't want to get into it too much but I agree with you you why I think he didn't die because in episode four he got fucked up way worse by vicious in that episode than he did <laughs> that's a good that's a good point I hadn't thought it yeah like he like vicious did the same damage to him and then threw his ass out of a second story building like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's that's why I just, you know, I think that's like, and it's cool because I'm actually reading on um, um, Watanabe-san's, like, what his commentary was. And in 2006, he goes, I never officially said that he died. At this point, I can tell you, I'm not sure if he's alive or dead, which to me, like, you can say that about anybody in your life. You want to talk about relatability? That can be anyone you know. Anyone you know at any given point in time could be your alive or dead. And that just kind of makes the character just there. And then again in 2013, he said, you know, I think people watching the ending think that Spike is asleep are probably right, just sleeping. And then this commentary here says, you know, either way, at the end of the Cowboy Bebop, it's finished with Spike laying on the floor. So it's still open. It doesn't matter, really. And I just like how this show kind of says, hey, we're here. These are the stories of the adventures of these these people together. And then you move on. That's just That's just life. <laughs> yeah yeah you don't need closure for everything yeah I, and one thing i really like about spike um maybe not in the he's relatable department is like the level of confidence he has this is like it's a big thing in anime is like the protagonist is just incredibly confident in in their knowledge and um in their abilities and he definitely has that vibe about him he's i mean He's he's got this like uh, this confident attitude to him, um, which I I really appreciate, and um, I, I like to see that in in heroes too. Even though I don't always feel that way, obviously, um, he's kind of got this like never ending kind of um, optimism and confidence. I think it, that also like plays onto the whole like you know cowboy esque spaghetti western style of things too, where you don't necessarily want to show a lack of confidence because that could be one extra bullet you take 
Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That's, that's a good point. And, um, no half measures. Yeah. Like, I think it's cool to see, like, unlike a character like Naruto, who's always spouting off about the power of friendship and how confident he is. (laughs) Bullshit. Spike, I feel like it's just hardened by his experiences. (laughs) I mean, he faked his death and ran from a syndicate and he spent the rest of his time chasing after bounty heads. He has to be sharp. Like there isn't like his life is <laughs> literally on the line no matter what he does. Yeah, his crew too. Yeah. So like he doesn't have the he doesn't have like the the time to really doubt. And you do see those times where he's a little doubtful, like when he has to fight that one kid who's stuck in time, so he's like a couple hundred years old and like he's not sure what's gonna happen. But like that's what makes life interesting to him, so he does it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Um, how do you feel about uh, Netflix doing the live action uh, show? They're going to destroy it like they do everything else. <laughs> I, you know, if they were just doing a movie, I'd probably 100% agree with you. But given that it's a series, I think they do a pretty good job at shows. Netflix, I will say, though, if you decide to bring on a live version of this podcast, then I will have a more favorable answer for um, my rating of your <laughs> who, do you, who do you want to portray you in the this podcast is for nerds netflix series ourselves oh okay yeah. no i have a better idea you portray me and i'll portray you oh i like it yeah, yeah. see if they ever figure it out <laughs> it'll be pretty difficult yeah well john cho is playing spike so I'm, I'm kind of excited about the prospect of that see i always thought if if i had to pick like my american cast it'd be keanu reeves oh as Spike Spiegel. Yeah. Because he could definitely pull that off. And that's like always been my thing. I'm like, yeah, he could do that. Like, that's just, that's just Neo in a, <laughs> in a blue blazer. I think actually, I think Keanu Reeves actually really likes Cowboy Bebop now I think about it. I'm not, I, I yeah, I feel like I've heard that before. Because yeah, I know that, you know, I know there's a couple people who like, it's funny how like anime has come around full circle to like, again, this podcast talks about that, but anime being cool. Like when you find out that people like Samuel L. Jackson love anime, then everyone's like, Oh, well I can watch anime. I'm like, Oh yeah, I bet you can. Good for you. Well, <laughs> you're a little bit late, but whatever we take everybody. Yeah. Let's- I'll, I'll take it where I can get it. We'll mostly accept most people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the Marvel's Luke Cage, um, but Bushmaster from that is going to be playing Jet Black. Um, and he's a really good actor. I can look at it real quick. This is him right here. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think that would be that'll be good. He's pretty jacked, but um, I don't mind. Uh, I mean, Spike is, is kind of lanky, though. Not sure where you're going with that. Joe Lowe kind of started whispering a little bit, and you know, you just kind of like, uh, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> baby, it's party time. <laughs> Do they? Who's who's cast for Fade Ed? You know? Um, let me look at the. I was just reading an article about who they were casting. Sorry, who'd you who'd you ask for? Faye and Ed. Um, Faye is um, Daniela Panetta. Let me look her up. She doesn't sound familiar. Oh, she's in from Jurassic World. 
it looks like. Okay. I mean, I could see it. There's a picture of a short. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, and then let me see. They did announce one other person in the casting. So it's good. It's always, you know what? Let's just put this out there too. It's always good to see John show. Oh, he's one of my favorite. Um, <laughs> just finished new girl. And I didn't realize, uh, he appears in a couple episodes and I was like, so stoked to see him. Yeah. New girl's great. He, and he's really good in that. Um, I really, did you see searching? Uh, yeah. No, no, I didn't. It's like it's probably three years old. There, so there was like, and it's still a thing, especially with COVID. Um, there's like this new kind of genre of film where it all takes place on a computer, um, and they they've been doing it with like horror movies a lot. This is more of a thriller. But uh, John Cho plays this dad. Who? Oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. I've seen the I've seen the trailer for this. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's, his daughter goes missing and and the whole movie is like, takes place on, you know, cell phones, on security cameras, on laptops. And it's actually like, of all the ones I've seen, um, and I've mostly just seen Unfriended, um, it's, it's a really great take on that genre. And it's, it's, it's actually a fantastic movie. Right on. Yeah. No, that sounds, I've remember seeing the preview for it. You said three years. It must have been a couple years ago. Yeah, maybe it was a couple years ago. I, I remember seeing it in, in theaters and being pretty impressed. Nice. Yeah, John Cho definitely, I can't wait to see how to do his hair because he definitely has the potential for his hair to go wild like Spike. Yeah, he, he, has, he has a good good head of hair, so I feel like they can get that like crazy like Spike up front, um, get it all styled looking like him. So What I laughed... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. When I said what I laughed about initially and what I also wasn't really sure how I felt about Shampoo was that Spike and Mugen basically have the same hair. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. I wonder how, like, anime they'll get with the series or if they're going to, like, kind of make it a little more accessible to the general audience. I feel like with Cowboy Bebop, you don't have to be super. There isn't like a bunch of like super anime things that you know. That's true. It's not very like tropey. Yeah, you could definitely make this like a true detective and make that. It gets called a Cowboy oh, Bebop. That's true. Yeah, you. This could be like a new age. Well, it's True Detective still going, I think. But, but yeah, it could be like Netflix's answer to to True Detective. Yeah, like you could you could easily make the as it's Cowboy Bebop is not generally a light show. Like it, you, it's a lot that goes into it. I'm curious mostly about the music because that really went in tandem with making the show. Like if they ever did a, a live action Samurai Champloo, you know, Nujibis is dead. Like they, they yeah, yeah. If they if they don't get the the intro, I think it's dead on arrival. Yeah, I mean, you have at least the feel. You got to get something, you know. Yeah, and there's and there's artists still doing what Nujibis did. Um, oh yeah, he collaborated with a lot of people. Like, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think you could you could find some people like if you can't, but you have to have the main theme though. Yeah, and actually, like, because the seatbelts actually did a COVID concert where they played a lot of the Cowboy Bebop themes. Dude, I, I've actually been really digging the COVID concerts me too it's it's been a good time i you know npr is still doing their like tiny desk but they just shoot it remotely or whatever nice um yeah so i've been i've been digging that 
Um, yeah. Do we have anything else on? Uh, no, actually, so, okay. just distracted with that. <laughs> no, no, this, this is a good discussion. Cowboy is like, this is a great one. When you when you sent me your list, I was I was happy to see Spike because it was not one. I guess originally when the idea was proposed, I originally in my head I was like, okay, superheroes. I was like, wait, we don't have to do that. It's just heroes. And, and Spike think- Spike is a great hero. When you mentioned when you mentioned like the ones you wanted to use too, like yeah, that's great because I feel like we talk a lot. Like I feel like Batman and Superman are way too recent. Like we need to like steer away from like you know because I feel like with those kind of characters, like Batman and Superman have origin stories, and then like in the Marvel universe, everyone kind of has a main origin story. Like Wolverine, I think, has the most complex origin story in you know the Marvel universe, um, being as old as he is. But I think for the most part, everyone cares more about their current powers and, and less about how they got there, where they came from. So it seems kind of like either they were passed from one character to another or someone sneezed some radioactive shit on them. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's yeah, they're they're too easy. And I think there's more fun discussions we can have with characters like this. So, um, OK, so we're going to wrap up here with um, my last pick for favorite origin stories and a hero. And this is certainly an anti-hero. <laughs> um, and I teased it earlier um, when we were talking about Spike and not taking half measures. <laughs> well played, sir. Um, is uh, Walter White from the show Breaking Bad. Um, and I'm, you watch this, right, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm. I wasn't gonna give spoilers for Full Metal because um, I don't know. I feel like that's less popular than this. But like, I'm going full spoiler with with uh, Breaking Bad. So if you've not watched Breaking Bad, Cut your- um, yeah, <laughs> you can just end the episode here, and uh, we'll see you next week. Um, so so yeah, I Walter. I mean, Breaking Bad's uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, we, we've already discussed my favorite show of all time on this podcast um, with Media Club when we did Leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably my number two. Okay. Um, so. I was that. I figured The Boys would be your number two. I really enjoy The Boys. It's fantastic, and and season two has been off to a good start. Although I've I've been kind of holding off on watching the new episodes as they come out because I don't want to wait a week. Um, whole release on Amazon Prime now. Oh, is the it's all out now? Pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that I just saw like somebody saying, "Oh, you can just stream all of them now." Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm about two episodes in, so I need to I need to finish that. We're also watching uh, Bly Manor. Nice, um, which has been really good. Um, but to Breaking Bad, yeah. So th- I was actually pretty late on this show, and I think a lot of people were because it didn't get a ton of media attention until it was probably like halfway through. I feel like, um, and especially at the end, I feel like it started getting like all the Emmy nominations and stuff. Um, when when did you start watching the show? Ooh, I feel like I was pretty late also because I didn't have cable. So it yeah, was- that was an issue I had too. I don't think it was until Netflix picked it up that I started watching it. So I don't know how long that was after it started. Like, uh, oh yeah, I forgot they did have the first like three seasons or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of when I jumped in. I think I don't know. That time was a bit of a blur. There's a lot of me just kind of drinking. But, but. <laughs> well, me too. I I remember I did. I got a Sling TV when they announced season five, just so we could watch it live. Nice. Um, 
and and then I realized there's not much else going on with AMC. <laughs> it's a pretty boring network. They got a real hit with uh, with this show, and everything else to me is kind of boring. Oh, so you didn't care for the the zombie drool show? Uh, no, Walking Dead. I watched I think the first two seasons, and then every year somebody would be like, "Oh, did you see the new season of Walking Dead?" And I was like, "No, I don't care." Yeah. Um, and now that shows, I think, on its last season. So good riddance. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, I, we did just too much zombie shit. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah, I, it's 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 overplayed. I was actually more interested in um, that spinoff show that they did, where it like took place right before the outbreak. Um, I'm but but I never watched it. So oh, okay. And again, I, I'm really against prequels. We've talked about this a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you're inherently wrong. Um, so, yeah. So the story of Breaking Bad, if, if you haven't watched and, and you don't care if we spoil it, um, is Walter White, who's a, um, a chemistry teacher at a, at a local high school. Um, he basically gets this terminal cancer diagnosis um stage three lung cancer i think it is um and you know he's not respected his you know he's not really the man of the house um his wife doesn't really seem all that interested in him she's having an affair um you know, his son has, uh, I forget, he has a, a physical disability, but I don't remember what it was. Um, uh, do you remember? It's like, I know he uses the, the crutches or whatever, but I'm not sure what his disability is. But yeah. he's just got, he's not has, he, he doesn't have the best lot in life. And then he gets this terminal cancer diagnosis um, and is kind of realizing, look, I don't make shit for money as a teacher. Um, I work at a fucking car wash with a shitty boss. Um, <laughs> and I'm still just kind of scraping by. And now we have this, we have this newborn child. Um, and he runs into uh, an old student of his um, who didn't really ever amount to much. Um but finds out, you know, he's he's dealing meth and kind of realizes um, this could be a, a viable way for me to kind of care for my family. Um, so he kind of proposes with this former student of his, uh, Jesse, um, that they'll work together. And um, since he knows chemistry so well, he can create like the most pure form of methamphetamine there is. Um and he ends up becoming this like massive uh, drug kingpin. He's, you know, he makes the best stuff there is. Everyone wants it. Um, and it's, I think this, I mean, he's definitely an anti-hero. He is not the hero of the story. Um, weirdly, I feel like Jesse is is the best character and the most pure of, of all of them. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about that. If that's I feel like because like Jesse... Je- yeah okay i i said it's pretty fair actually because jesse like yeah he was like you know he was a hoodlum he was no good and stuff like that but like he was kind of like the guiding force like i feel like he was important in bringing um keeping i keep forgetting his actual his actual character's name but he was important in keeping um walter from like going full heisenberg all the time yeah but also like he was the one who like helped 
Walter like kind of get his voice and get his grounding in things. Yeah, I mean there is there is some good coming out of the out of Walt being um Heisenberg is like he finally yeah, he gets that voice. He has this like level of confidence. Um but he, he really becomes kind of a monster and I feel like you know, Jesse makes a 180 in his life. He really like tries to turn his life around, but all the fuck ups that that Walt has throughout the series um, really impact Jesse in a major way. Um, oh. But yeah, I, I just think he's he's such an interesting character, um, and I think the ending was was so perfect. Um, you know. Uh, so at, at, at a certain point, you know, Heisenberg is making all these terrible deals. He gets Jesse in prison by this rival um, meth meth group. They're like they're like white supremacists or whatever. Um, it's what every good meth story needs. Yeah, every good story has a white supremacist that gets shot up by a machine gun in the trunk of a car. An <laughs> <laughs> El Camino. Um, <laughs> uh but um so you know walt walt finally realizes like how much he's fucked his life up he's on the run um he can't see his children anymore so he tries to kind of turn things around and he gets jesse free and ends up getting shot and dies um i don't did you see the movie el camino no i did not actually okay so without spoiling anything it takes place after jesse escapes the um the white supremacist compound and just kind of follows him as he tries to um, stay hidden. Cause all the, you know, there's still, um, you know, FBI is still looking for, um, you know, he's, he's wanted as well for, for his connection to Heisenberg. Um, I don't think the movie's that good, but, but they were connected actually. Yeah, they are. So Jesse is the, um, the main character throughout the film. Oh, that's I always made jokes because Jesse was in the Fast and Furious after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, and that was not a good movie. Well, uh, no, there is not a single that I'm aware of game adaptation movie that was good ever for any reason. That's yeah, that's fair. I think our best one so far is Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I haven't seen it actually. The best Sonic picture I've seen is when they grabbed Nicolas Cage's face onto Sonic the Hedgehog's body. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't have much else. What What do you? What are your thoughts on Heisenberg on Walt? You know, I will say that this is what this is Weeds done properly. I don't know if you ever saw Weeds at all. Yeah, I liked Weeds, but I, I feel like it it did lose its um, its punch pretty early on. Yeah, and it's almost like you know she wasn't believable as being like this wholesome mom after like episode three, which starts banging that dude. Like, yeah, the fuck (laughs) Nancy bought one. Yeah. Like I don't. And then after season two, after season one, when they get better, you know, I was like, wow, this is what's happening. And I think a lot of that probably was a lot of developmental hell where it was like, they need to keep the show edgy to keep people watching. And then it got, it just got turned into like this weird drug. And it was, you know what it was? I know what it was for that show. That show didn't stand a chance. And I'm going to tell you why. It's three letters. Do you know what they are? Um, DEA. Well, it ends with an A, uh, but SOA. Oh, did it come out around Sons of Anarchy time? 
I mean, hang on, let me double check. That. I think it did. I, that should have stood a chance because of Sons of Anarchy. Like, to be fair, not much of anything stood a chance when Sons of Anarchy was on. <laughs> yeah, that show was. Um, I didn't get it, but it was. It did very well. Um, yeah, it did come out around the same time. Had no chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really didn't. Because um, that that show exploded. Yeah. It. Damn. Yeah. That's okay. We. I can't blame you entirely. You just. We were up against a bad time slot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, yeah, Sorry. Um, I think, I think the way this, the way his character developed, felt more natural to someone who was like started off with the best of intentions and really just started to slip more into like realistically letting the paranoia and madness get to them. Like it was just, it was more real. And honestly, it's just great to see Brian Cranston as. Yeah. And knock in the middle. <laughs> I love the uh, fan theories that it's um, the dad from Malcolm in the Middle turns into Walt. <laughs> I just think that's a great theory. I, the only reason I the only reason I can't I can't agree with that theory is because at least when he was with I can't remember her name, but in Malcolm in the Middle they actually loved each other, and to see him go to that sucks. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, I think that's all we have for for Breaking Bad. Wait, what's our time? I, uh, we're at an hour. That was fast. I know, man. I feel like we. I was. I have a timer going while we do these, and I, we spent a lot of time on. There. I mean, we we picked some heavy hitters, so we could do a whole Breaking Bad discussion, but we'll save that for another time. We absolutely will. So next time on this podcast, it's for nerds, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be going through. Well, Calvin, how'd you decide? Would you want to go through your favorite villain backstories, or would you like to go through the, your your like least hated and most hated like hero origins, like the worst ones, like the ones you're just like, come on, why is this a thing? Oh, that's an interesting. Um, that's an interesting idea. I kind of like the idea of doing villains, and then maybe we could, if if the episodes get good response, maybe we we double back and do the worst origin stories for villains and and. Uh, and heroes. Alrighty, I can. I'm trying to think about what my favorite villain origin story is, but we're working on that right now. We are going to be talking about, or sorry, getting ready for our next media club episode, which is Calvin's pick, The Toast of London, which I am loving so much right now. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad. So, what episode are you on right now? We just ended the one where that's on the screen where they are running from the submarine. Oh, okay. So you you're in the episode where he's recording those. Yes. <laughs> Have a little more fun with it. Have a little more fun. I'm I, I just launched nuclear Ar- Armageddon. <laughs> I like where he's like, this is <laughs> barking, and they're like, oh, let me re-record that. Like, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and it's, it's okay. It's it's fine. You're good. Or like when they around and pull them in for one recording, and then it's just like, oh, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, three. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. You're you're great. <laughs> you know, it's just the one word. You can lose the script. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Toast. This is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? <laughs> he's he's so great. I love their dynamic. We'll get into it next week, though. We will. Be on wide, ladies and gentlemen, because right now Calvin is going to sing you an outro. Oh, I need to do um, 
we're back to classic form. Thank you for watching and listening and viewing and enjoying and letting us roll down your ears like sweet, sweet honey. This has been This Podcast is for Nerds.